the first time in human history, every single one of us has the potential to witness to the world via the power of social media. And personally, I believe as disciples, we have an obligation to be social media ambassadors for Christ within our sphere of influence. If we work together, we can easily, you know, we can easily reach the ends of the earth in a very short amount of time. Our department serves to provide those resources and tools so that we can accomplish this together. Social media presents a bold new frontier for mission. The numbers are simply staggering. If Facebook alone were a country, it would be the largest country in the world with 1.9 billion monthly users. We need to be intentional about reaching souls for the kingdom on these platforms that are already designed for engagement and relationship building. In other words, we need to reach people where they are, not where we want them to be. And, you know, this isn't part of the presentation, but when I was on the plane coming over here, I was reading Ellen White's Counsels to Writers and Editors. And anybody, if you are a communicator in any capacity, if you are on social media, I highly encourage you to read this book. And she says, the warning message for this time is not being given earnestly in the great business world. Now, I know she's not talking about the internet, but she's talking about the great business world at her time. But our time, the great business center, is online. Cyber Monday is the biggest sales day of the entire year. And she goes on to say, day after day, the centers of commerce and trade are thronged with men and women who need the truth for this time, but who gain no saving knowledge of its precious principles because earnest, persevering efforts are not put forth to reach the class of people where they are. You see the theme? And to drive this point home, by 2018, 33% of the world's population will be on social media. This is an incredible opportunity for both business and ministry. Young people, on average, spend 7 to 12 hours a day behind a screen. At least five hours of that is on social media. And, you know, in North America, we are very concerned about young people and reaching them. We need to take the message to them where they spend their time. At the turn of the 19th century, these words were written, which was, let every worker in the master's vineyard study, plan, devise methods to reach the people where they are. We must do something out of the common course of things. Social media must become part of our outreach strategy because we are trying to reach souls in a digitally focused environment. Can you imagine if our founders would have had this technology? You tell the world, sure, click. Now what? You know, <laughs> like it could have been done so easily. We have all the right gadgets and time-saving devices to witness to the ends of the world, and yet we're distracted or hesitant. So my challenge to you and the community is this, is why are we not spending time and effort sending missionaries to the digital countries? This is a work anyone can do. After all, the conversation is happening whether or not we decide to join it. Social media enables ministries and individuals to contribute to and influence the narrative. Social media is the ultimate equalizer. It gives a voice and a platform for anyone willing to engage. 
Social media has changed the barrier to entry to tell stories and get your message out at scale. It used to be that if you wanted to tell your story or get your message to a broad audience, you had to buy your way in through costly traditional media. Now, social media makes it easier and cheaper to tell your story and for people to share it. You can have hundreds, thousands, even millions of people see your story at little to no cost. This has a broad impact and comes with little risk. In today's you know, with today's technology, if it doesn't resonate with people, you can recut it or try something new. It used to be if you published something and you sent it out, it would be months before you knew how it performed. Now we can get instant results and we can adapt instantly. The church knows from experience that evangelism works best when there's a foundation built on relationships. And social media just represents a digital reflection of what humans do, and that is connect and share. Storytelling connects people and gets people engaged and interested. The reason why people love going to movies and reading books is because they love to be engaged by stories. Social media is simply people connecting with people to create a collective human story. It is our job to frame that story within the context of our faith and our present truth. But social media is only meaningful if it results in something tangible. With each opportunity, we are planting seeds. Our goals must serve to direct people from the digital conversation to a real-world, tangible experience, in-person experience. Reaching souls means cutting through the noise. We are being bombarded daily with news, social issues, product ads, mixed messages, and so much more from countless sources. It is estimated that the average adult now experiences 3,000 marketing messages a day. Can you imagine what we're going through? Therefore, it's important to develop a digital strategy that enables your church, your ministry, your organization to navigate a dynamic and complex digital environment, allowing your messages to reach people and stand out as relevant, because there's a lot of competition. You know, if you don't believe me, I recently read a stat that said 82% of people would attend church at Christmas or Easter if they were just simply invited. We can use social media to share the gospel, inform the community of events, get our members involved, and build relationships. 47% of Americans learn about a nonprofit or cause from the internet, specifically social media, and this is only going to increase. 59% of people donate after becoming a follower of a nonprofit social network. 56% of people donated to an organization because they read a story via social media. I do want to be clear about something. Um, at this time, digital communications is a way of magnifying the impact of traditional means, not replacing it. We still need all our different channels, but what we have are more resources than ever before to reach audiences how and where they want to be reached. Social media is a powerful tool for feeding and reaching the multitudes, where they are and in a way that is relevant. My goal is to empower, equip, and inspire you to think differently about how you use social media. 
So to get you excited about the possibilities, let me share with you a few case studies from my first year at the North American Division. These principles can be applied to both businesses and ministries, large and small. Now, I'm not going to cover foundations. I'm not going to cover how-tos. I'm going to cover broad principles. If you want to know the how-tos, the foundations of strategy, you can visit my website at sdadata.org. All the information is there. And there's also other presentations that go through this. But I have found that people get more excited when you show them the results first, and then they start to get interested. Okay, so for our first case study is the Faith, Reason, and Earth History text. Um, because of technology, I'm going to hold questions to the end. Oh, sorry. Oh, sdadata.org. Um, because of technology, the Seventh-day Adventist Church now has the tools necessary to exponentially increase the speed and efficiency of our efforts in fulfilling Christ's great commission. Name the issue, the topic, the belief that needs to be shared with the world, and digital technology can help spread the message anywhere and anytime. One of the most important questions facing our world today is the age of the earth. So to buttress scientific support for the young earth model of creationism, the Faith and Science Council provided funding to write and distribute a free digital version of this text, which provides research perspective for contemplating earth origins in the terms of scripture and science. But as exciting as that is to make the text free, Simply making a resource free for evangelism and truth is only part of the church's responsibility. Having a powerful resource without a marketing strategy means the resource could potentially sit on the proverbial shelf, gathering dust with only a few people appreciating it. So what the Adventist learning community did is they made use of key partnerships to develop a digital marketing campaign for sharing the text with the world. Active social media partnerships are a key to expanding your reach and branding. Social media is designed for community building. Find the organizations to build partnerships with, either by location or topic. The strategy they came up with was actually fairly simple. It included a predetermined distribution platforms, ebook formats, a 60 second promotional trailer, and promotions packets, which is basically a Word doc that includes pre made Facebook posts, tweets, you know, emails, etc., and paid ads targeted to Adventists and Christians on Facebook. But the biggest thing I want you to take home from this example is that they chose to do something different than the usual model. The promotions package was shared with social media directors around the church. These digital gatekeepers then became the social media ambassadors for the advertising campaign. Within a matter of days, the book was being marketed on Facebook, Twitter, and internet search engines. In less than three months, it had over 13,000 downloads. Typically, a bestseller in Adventist publication sells approximately 5,000 books. So by not printing the book, they actually saved about $12,000. They then took $300 and invested that in a digital campaign and ended up with a far greater reach than the printed book. 
Because even with a thousand free copies, let's say there were two people in a household or they used it in an educational setting, it could potentially reach 4,000. We reached 13,000 already. Now they have also chosen to print it now and give it out and I think that's a good decision because I believe in multi-channel. I believe that some people will benefit from print, some people will benefit from digital. Digital is just a way of expanding our reach. But it can expand our reach at a fraction of a cost. So the Seventh-day Adventist Church has historically been an early adopter of technology. We've historically been on the cutting edge of technology. In social media, we've fallen behind. This dis distribution success of this text is proof that the church should continue to embrace technology as a tool for furthering evangelism. And incorporating digital marketing strategies can increase the reach and impact of our resources and efforts. The tools for reaching the world are readily available and surprisingly inexpensive. The church just needs to decide to use them in a strategic and intentional fashion. So our next case study is on predicting event registration. So if you're in the business of doing events that are very similar year over year, um, this would be very applicable to you. So I kind of say this tongue in cheek, but uh, Jeremiah 17, 19, tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, while this context is very different, we must remember this principle before allowing our feelings and impressions to determine our marketing strategies. In my 10 years experience, I've noticed that event coordinators, and honestly, all of us, either remember the past either less favorably or more favorably than it actually was. This inclination can often result in unnecessary panic or misguided changes in the promotion strategy. However, if you host a similar program on a regular basis, there is an easy way to gain insight to patterns in your audience's registration tendencies and eventually be able to accurately predict registration based on data, not feelings. I, when I was at the Smithsonian, we did about 1,000 events a year, and people started thinking I was psychic. And I was like, no, I just look at the numbers. Like, I can pretty much figure out what's going to sell and what's not. Um, and if you know your product and you know the pattern year over year and you can look at the data, you can predict what's going to happen. Um, in turn, this allows you to make informed strategic decisions to meet your goals based on how people are actually responding to your campaign. So this example is actually for the 2016 uh, Society of Adventist Communicators campaign. We launched a communications campaign to support the convention. Uh, we posted targeted ads online and we tracked registration numbers by day. We tracked also key points and drops in the marketing campaign and we compared the data to the previous year. And we only had a couple of data points for the previous year. Uh, and, but, and the bulk of our team was new. So this was very important for us to build a baseline. And we then made marketing decisions based on the data, such as ad placement and partnerships with schools. What happened is we ended up with a 42% increase over in registrations over 2014. And this is huge. It's a relatively small conference uh, you know, for advanced communicators. And the reason we were able to achieve these results is that our different components didn't function in a silo. We worked together and communicated. Social media was part of the overall strategy and not running solo. Sometimes I run into digital marketers who are in competition with you know, traditional, or you find organizations where development and fundraising is in competition with marketing. That doesn't work long term. You have to work together and you realize that you have the same goals. 
Social media strategies will not save you if you're not working across the different departments of your organization. Now, one of the most important aspects of every campaign is what you do after it's done. Did you learn anything? In this case, our team did. As a result, we completely redid the website and the promotion strategy. We started promotions much earlier and offered more registration options. Our social media campaign followed suit. As a result, we are tracking way ahead of last year's numbers. We are about six weeks ahead on registration counts, which is a big deal for a very small conference. And you can actually download a registration trends template on my website if this would be useful to you. So our next case study is Hope Trending. How many of you heard of Hope Trending? Anybody? Okay, so a few people. Um, this is a case study in using technology to reach young people where they are. So if you have a ministry that's focused on young people, this might be good for you. So this was a free live streamed event. It had a live participatory experience that engaged directly with the audience. It was an out-of-the-box idea and it had a global reach, even though it was only marketed to the United States and Canada. We did an integrated marketing strategy, which means we combined traditional things like print, ads, and you know more traditional like email with social media. And we also had an active follow-up strategy via host, local church members, and social media. The communication style, platforms, images, design, everything was geared towards young people. And we successfully reached young people. Nearly 70% reached were under 35 prior to it being aired on Hope Channel. After airing on the Hope Channel, which is obviously an older audience, the percentage under 35 decreased to about 53%. Each of the nine events were short. There was a song, a video testimonial, then a 20-minute presentation followed by a discussion in live Q&A. It was accessible wherever there was internet, and we had social media ambassadors on board to get the conversation started online, as well as a team dedicated to monitoring the online conversation and contributing content. And I had to say, like, they really had to deal with some difficult questions and issues. But the whole idea was to break down that barrier between watching it on the screen and actually being able to engage directly with someone in real time. So what made this event unique was that it was live streamed in HD on Facebook. So that was the first time, as far as I know, that the church has done that. They, as we know, young adults spend at least five hours a day on social media. So we met young people where they were and not you know, necessarily where we wanted them to be. They became part of the conversation and could engage with us directly, breaking down that perceived barrier between the corporate church and the individual member. So how did it, to, so how did it perform? Well, Facebook, we reached about 835,000 people. And our engagements on Facebook, which includes comments, likes, shares, reactions, were 209,000. This is only nine nights, just FYI. The video views over three seconds on Facebook were 233,000. The countries reached were 149. The hope trending impressions on Twitter peaked at 1.2 million. And the trackable impressions, which is a low estimate because I don't have the software I used to have at the Smithsonian, is about 2 million. So when you compare 
um, the Facebook performance versus some of the other more common ways that we've streamed videos in the past. If you look at the Hope Channel website, it only got about 3,800 views. The Hope Trending website, which was originally the only place we were going to live stream it, got almost 10,000 views. YouTube got 18,000. Facebook got 233,000. Because right now, Facebook favors live video. It rewards it. It pushes it out. So it made a huge difference. And this is only during the duration of the campaign. All the content's still up there, and people are still watching it and engaging with it. 143,000 of those views on Facebook were live. So to kind of put this in perspective, for on Facebook only, that, that results in 193,000 minutes viewed. That is 4.5 months of video content, which just goes to show you that native hosted videos on Facebook, meaning uploaded directly to Facebook Live, are an effective way to expand your reach and engagement for videos and live events. So if you're hosting live events, if you're doing live seminars, it's a great way to expand your reach. So I strongly encourage you to use Facebook Live. And you know, for people that are still a little skeptical, is this really the right way to reach young people? Just a few testimonies. My 15-year-old daughter has always been frightened by Evangelism series, but loves Hope Trending. Hope Trending is or should be the new Adventist model for evangelism. This sermon is really what I needed right now. I lost my son last month, and I'm still grieving. These are all coming in from social media, people watching on social media, who we would not have reached otherwise. Hope Trending is more than a program. It's an experience. It's more than a series. It's a movement. Now, this gentleman, I don't know if you can tell, was actually in a car accident, and he had organized a Hope Trending watch party. Um, and he says, I can't be with my watch party because the enemy is hard at work, but I'm watching Hope Trending live at home because Jesus is at work. And we actually were able, because we had a team in place and we saw this post, we were able to reach out to him, make sure he was okay, and kind of, you know, and pray for him and connect with him in a way that was meaningful. Hope Trending watch party from literally anywhere with a cell phone coverage. Can't wait. These people are camping. And this gentleman's from Africa. He's like, I love all you guys for making it possible for us to view here in Africa. So I assume that means more than just him is watching. This is an epic and life-changing. And then lastly, this person says, I pray for a weekly Hope Trending program. Um, and there was another testimony that I, I really couldn't find afterwards, but the person basically said, I feel sad because I know Hope Trending is ending. So I really hope more of us, you know, more ministries, more churches sort of embrace this technology so that this concept doesn't have to end. So we can reach people who, you know, can't make it into the church or at a location where they just can't come. So our next uh, case study is the I Believe Bible Study Project. It's an online resource that is designed to strengthen the faith of young adults and evangelize young contemporary audiences. It's also a case study in empowering youth. 
So the I Believe project, and I have some cards up here, because I, I strongly encourage that you, you know, take the cards home and let any young adults that you know know about these videos and this content. Um, it's made up of four main components that are released throughout each week. They include a short blog post, videos, social media discussion videos, social media postings of faith-based questions and comments. It's, it's a variety of things. Um, I encourage you to check it out. So to make sure our content is reaching the right audiences, we're also using Facebook and Instagram ads to target desire, you know, desired audiences by age, by school religious affiliation, and interests such as the Bible and prophecy. This helps to grow our follower base and boost our content to our fans to make sure we are cutting through the clutter. Because anytime somebody engages with your content on Facebook, their fans and their friends can actually see that they liked or commented. It shows up in their newsfeed. So it can go exponential very quickly. The budget for ads on this project is only about five dollars to $8,000 a year. So it's a little more than maybe like a, a small ministry can manage. But then if you look at something like the Faith, Earth, and Reason book, that was only $300. So different scale. But if you're a media or some kind of publication, and you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year on print, this is something that I would you know, strongly encourage you to earmark some funds for. Um, so the I Believe project is built upon content created by young adults for young adults. They are directing, choosing, and creating the content. And it stands to reason that young adults would know best how they can be reached. So to that end, our department has come on board to equip and train the Adventist University students at Andrews to implement a comprehensive digital strategy. My goal is to empower them to be a lifelong ev digital evangelist. The examples of topics include environmentalism, gender equality, immigration, fornication, hypocrisy, Islam, salvation, and the list goes on. They cover anything that, you know, th they request. They're actually taking requests now for content and for questions. Um, the content on these important topics is presented honestly and without being sanitized, uh, which you know, young people are eating up right now. It's an open and honest discussion that encourages and welcomes on the platform. Some of these co topics can make a lot of people uncomfortable, but I can tell you that the millennials are eating it up because, again, it is young students of theology that are asked and tasked with answering the questions and participating actively in the conversations without judgment. So what an amazing and relevant training tool for young pastors who've grown up with digital media their whole life and will probably have to engage with people online. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Facebook alone has amassed over 65,000 followers in less than a year. It's huge. So here's some results uh, for Facebook for just one month snapshot. 1.1 million video views. 1.7 million reached per month. 96% are under 35. 226,000 engagements. Over 60 countries. 
As a result of tackling these tough topics in a meaningful way, something else has happened. We're actually reaching beyond and having positive online conversations with tons of non-believers. It's actually estimated that about 50% of the people we're engaging with and interacting online are actually non-Adventist. And one such non-believer said they had never really truly felt heard or their opinion valued by a Christian before. Think about that. We may not have changed this person's mind on that particular topic, but we planted a seed that speaks volumes about how we engage with non-believers and how we should be bridging that gap. And this is all because, you know, I believe Bible is not afraid to address the elephant in the room, and they're not afraid to let young people lead the way. You know, this is what this audience is yearning for. Young people are faced with challenges to their faith every day, and a large percentage of our youth do not attend Adventist schools. This is just one example of how to prepare them to stand for their faith intelligently, but also witness to others in a skeptical and postmodernist world. So our next case study is uh, Gorgeous to God, and this showcases what happens when we converted a print publication to a blog and social media. Gorgeous to God is dedicated to the difficult issues that teen girls face. So in some ways, it's similar to I Believe. It's just more focused. The age range is about 13 to 22. Depending on the topic, we might target just a little older, but for the most part, it's, it's very young girls. In this case, we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. We just had to repackage it. The content was relevant and willing to tackle the kinds of things we don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about in church. So Gorgeous to God was originally an Australian publication that was printed for four years. It was expensive, and it had a limited distribution of about 4,000. But it had really, really good content. So what we did is we purchased the rights, and we created a blog and a website in-house using Squarespace, which was very, very affordable, very easy to do. And we used social media as a vehicle for distribution. We repurposed the content and updated it for the USA because there's some language differences and such. And then we formed partnerships with I Believe Bible, The Life, Issues I Face, a woman who named Amy who does some really great videos for young girls. And then there's been some original content created. Uh, The content and the topics include health, real life, relationships, faith, and beauty. There's also a confidential Q&A section with a mentorship network that that we're working on expanding. So like I believe, we're starting with a small and clear focus and we'll branch out to a broader Christian teen audience once we have firmly established ourselves and have the network to handle a greater influx of these confidential questions. There's new content weekly, diverse topics. It's multi-channel, meaning we're on Facebook, we're on Pinterest, and we're on Instagram. We do use some paid ads, but it's a small budget. There's a website, social media, and we're actually testing ads and content, and we're adapting as needed. So we're putting content out there. We're seeing what they respond to, how they engage with it, and based on that, we put out similar content. So we're adapting as we go to try and meet their needs. And again, that those decisions are made purely on data. 
So a lot of people often ask me, how do I make my content relative to young people? And usually when they say that, they're really talking about teens and people under 25. Sometimes they're talking about my age group, like the 35 and below group. But um, for the most part, they're talking about very young people. And I kind of jokingly say, why are you asking me? I'm 35. If you want to reach these people, involve them and listen to them. To that end, we've actually brought in a young female intern to help with the social media to increase relevance. And guess what? Our target audience like her post on social media better than ours. And that's okay. It's not a failing on our part. It makes sense. She's closer to their age, she speaks their language, and she understands how to communicate with them. You know, our job is to teach, guide, and mentor. If we want, you know, the next generation to stay in the church, they have to have a buy-in. They have to be involved. And so, you know, especially with social media, they already know the language. They just need direction. They need strategy. They need guidance. They need accountability. But they basically already know how to use the platform. Our dream is to eventually involve local STA teen girls to get a Snapchat account going. Because someone my age can't be the face of a teen girl Snapchat. So since launching in January 2017, which is you know seven months, about seven or eight months, Gorgeous to God has already far outpaced the print capability, and we didn't have to create the content. We just utilized platforms and channels. So on Facebook, we have about 3,300 followers. The last time I checked, about 439 on Instagram. Over 1.5 million impressions. Per month on Facebook, we're reaching about 110,000, 5,000 post engagements, and 47,000 video views. Keep in mind, before, it had a reach of about 4,000. 98% are age 13 to 24 on social media. 5,700 visits to the website and a 32% return rate. And about 11,000 page views on the website in just seven months. And we're just getting started. You know, like I believe it'll start out small and then it'll kind of explode over time. But numbers are great and I'm a numbers person and I prefer to talk about numbers. But the value in something like Gorgeous to God is not in the number of videos viewed. It's actually in meeting a very real need and filling a spiritual void for our teens who have challenges today that I certainly didn't have to face when I was their age. Being a teen in the 90s is very different than being a teen in the digital age. So this is a quote from our women's ministry director who's actually in charge of this project. And she says that the Gorgeous to God blog has given teen girls a place to search for answers to the challenging questions they face about love, life, health, and faith. I have met so many young girls who are hurting and looking for someone to listen. Girls who are suicidal, becoming dependent upon alcohol, or who have just shut down completely. And this is within the Adventist church. The reason we created the confidential Q&A section of our blog is because girls can write anonymously about anything they are struggling with, and they are answered by a Christian counselor who can show them compassion and offer sound advice. I know when I was a teen girl, I would have benefited from that, and I think most of us would as a teen. 
We have found time and time and again that our most difficult topic articles are the most read, but teens are doing something very interesting. They tend to not respond or leave any trace of their engagement, meaning there's no liking, sharing, or commenting, but they go to the page and they spend a significant amount of time on it, which means they're reading it, but they're very keenly aware that their activity can be seen on social media. So if they like something, then all their friends see that they liked it. And so that means that they read this article on premarital sex. They don't want their friends to know that. But what they are doing is they're engaging with the content and then they're sending us messages and asking for guidance. Um, the confidential Q&A is one of the top pages visited on the website and we receive about two messages a week ranging you know, from all a myriad of issues. So right now the team is creating a support system for crisis help and member care management before we expand. So I have a couple of case studies left. One is actually Pathway to Health, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. And the other one is Revelation Speaks Peace. I'm happy to cover both of them if you want, or maybe pick one and then do some Q&As. What? You wanna, you wanna see? Okay. So Pathway to Health is a case study in, in creating community awareness and care. So for this one, this is Beckley. So this is West Virginia. This is last July. We implemented a six-week buzz campaign, which was multi-channel and multi-platform, meaning social media, print, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook. The strategy served twofold, one to recruit volunteers and one to create community awareness around the event. It then culminated, obviously, in the event, but also a live social media coverage of the event. So as a result of this campaign strategy, over 1.9 million impressions were tracked on social media, easily reaching over 1 million people. Keep in mind, Beckley is a small town of about 17,000 and serves you know, a metro area of about 200,000, versus LA, which was bigger than Pathway to Health Beckley in every way except social media. This enabled us to reach beyond a small local community in a powerful way through these testimonies, through these stories. And it is likely for some that this was the first time they had ever heard of the Adventist Church. And I would you know, guess that that's a pretty good first impression. Not only did we reach all 50 states, but we reached over 94 countries. And I don't think we'll fully appreciate this impact until we see how this next Pathway to Health volunteer recruitment and donation campaign you know, performs. But generally, increased awareness equals increased support, both volunteering and financial. So we knew antidotally that a significant number of patients had heard about the health clinic from social media. So about a couple weeks before the event, I started running localized ads, promoting the free health clinic, you know, highlighting the different services that could be provided and directing them to the website for more information. In many cases, it was a friend or a family member who had seen a promoted or paid post and spread the word. The Nielsen tells us that about 92% of people trust referrals from people they know. Referral from a friend is always the strongest. That doesn't matter if the referral comes from social media or the telephone. It's always the strongest. Um, but how can we be sure that social media had a significant impact? So to answer this question, the exit survey asked 934 of the patients to identify all the ways they had heard about the clinic. This revealed how our more traditional communication channels performed. 
15% of patients said they had seen a flyer about a vent. But when we looked at social media, it also showed that social media outperformed all the traditional advertising and was second only to referral by friend or family member, which clearly shows the impact of social media. Now, in the future, the survey needs to also ask respondents how their friends or family members had heard about the event because I anecdotally can say a lot of people were coming to me and saying, you know, I had this patient and she said her daughter saw it on Facebook and called her. That's just anecdotal information. I'd like to quantify it, but we know it had a significant impact. And the other thing is if you do live events, if you're live on site and you're doing some kind of service-based event, um, customer care was a key element during our live strategy. Again, working with other touch points to enhance the overall patient experience. You know, social media is designed for engagement and relationship building. So it's a powerful tool for responding, identifying, and resolving issues in a timely manner. A patient journey, and many times, actually began on social media and ended on social media. Months after the event, the team was still answering questions on Facebook from Beckley and caring for their needs. So by continuing to engage, by having that continuous online presence and care, Pathway to Health, by association, also the Adventist Church, was building a reputation as an organization that truly cares about the people it serves. All right, so I can, I'm going to skip past this one because it's, it, there's a lot of information, but this is the only one. And essentially what we did here is for Revelation Speaks Peace, we did a local campaign to market that this evangelistic series was happening. Because oftentimes, I know at the conference level and at the church level, we struggle to get the information to our own members, who then know who to invite, who can then become social media ambassadors. So what we did is we communicated directly with them via social media. And what we got is about 50% of people who came were not Adventist. And the Adventist community online was sharing and inviting people like crazy. It was fantastic. I didn't tell them to do that. They just did it naturally because, you know, ideally we're all prepared to do that, right? To share the gospel. So we did a um, survey to evaluate impact. And just so you know, about 70% of the people who took the survey were non-Adventist. And what we found is that 93% said that the series caused them to think more about the significance of the Bible and prophecy. 86% said the presentations increased their faith in the truth of the Bible. 91% said the presentations inspired conversations with their friends or family about Bible prophecy. And again, we reached them and communicated and marketed to them via social media. And so this is, you know, an example of bringing them into the space and creating a real-world experience and impact. And the last thing I want to mention is uh, Facebook Live. I actually had a really exciting conversation with Mark Finley yesterday. He started his Hope 365, and he's all, you know, all over social media, and he's live streaming. And they get thousands of views, and they've expanded from 500 followers to 25,000 followers. And they have testimonies all the time coming in because people can watch his sermons and his presentations from around the world. Uh, Revelation Speaks Peace also live-streamed, and I've actually I've been working with several pastors who've also live-streamed their series. And what, we're, what we found is that several pastors have chosen to broadcast the Evangelistic or Prophet series. And because of their boldness, 
they, you know, people who could not consistently or ever come into the space and attend the meetings have come to know Christ and are now baptized members of the church. In the case of one person, his job, because of his schedule, he could never attend. But he reached out on Facebook. He messaged, you know, the church that was live broadcasting. The pastor got back to them. He watched the whole series online. He then did Bible studies with the pastor, I think over the phone or something because of his schedule. And now he's a baptized member. So if you're doing series, I I strongly encourage you to live stream. Um, You know, I've heard from a lot of people that they're concerned about, you know, live streaming and getting the message out there and they can't control who sees it. And my response to that is we are to work in cooperation with the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, after we do our part to get the message out, we must trust the Holy Spirit to do its part in leading those ready to listen. In most cases, streamed videos are watched by a self-selected audience, meaning if they're not interested, they will simply scroll past it, hide it, or ignore it altogether. Content creators cannot be paralyzed by a fear of negative feedback. It is better to do something than limit our sphere of influence to what we can safely control. All right, so we can go to um, Q&A. This is just the beginning. And I have more stories and more testimonies I can, I can share with you. And I'm sure in a year's time, we'll have even more. And I'm starting to hear back from other people who are implementing these strategies. And they're really exciting testimonies of how this technology can be used. If you have questions after our Q&A, like later or tomorrow, you can use my hashtag, which is digital evangelism, or tweet at me using digievangelism. A couple of campaigns you might want to watch are Hear Them and End It Now NAD, which are two campaigns we're running right now. And yes, so if you want to learn more about how to be a digital evangelist, follow me on social media at digievangelism. For tips, courses, resources, and video tutorials, all free. You can also visit my website, which is sdadata.org, and sign up for our quarterly newsletter. But there's courses on there, there's videos, there's blogs, there's case studies, there's how-tos. And I'm going to continue, you know, pumping it full of resources. And this is a service for you. So please take advantage of it. And, you know, feel free to, you know, contact me through social media if you have any specific questions. I can't always, you know, work with individuals because of my caseload, but I can usually direct you to resources or provide some insight. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.